When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Is there dissension with the Bucks and a disturbing story out of Gainesville? Plus, we look ahead to the World Series. All of that on this episode of the Rick and Tom podcast. Hey, everybody. We are Rick and Tom. Tom Jones and Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Hope all is well in your world. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks for all the letters you've written saying how much you enjoy the podcast. Hopefully, you're subscribing. But you can also hear us on TampaBay.com and on SoundCloud. Aftershocks still being felt from Sunday's Bucks loss in Buffalo in the final few minutes. Game that was lost and then won and then lost in at the end in uh, gut punch fashion. And that was just the start of a bad day for the Bucks, Rick. It got a little messier after the game, thanks to a conversation you had with safety TJ Ward. And then here comes Chris Baker off the top turnbuckle to pile on. What a crazy 24 hours or so. And I'm talking about everything that happened after the game. It was crazy, and when you say aftershocks in Buffalo, I think about before the game, and the word fireball comes to mind. But that's Ooh. another story for another time. Uh, yeah, yeah we had Jones. a couple of fireballs. Yeah, a couple of fireballs yeah. the night before the game. A little bit. But, no, it, it was <laughs> Although a, the, the Bucks could have used some fire in the belly <laughs> yeah, during the game, that's for sure. There was some fire in the belly after the game. And, and you referenced, you know, and, and you know, look, the, the way things go, we go down there, and, and this was – you know, I, I, there are every loss in the NFL is is sort of gut wrenching because you know it represents like the equivalent of like ten major league baseball games. It's one tenth of your season in in a sense, but um, you know, I, I think or one sixteenth of your whatever that is. I didn't. But, th- we're not doing math on this podcast. Yeah, so I didn't think there would be math. <laughs> but the, the the key is this: is that you pour a hundred hours a week into you know it's a coaches lot of work, do. Yeah. It's a lot of work, and so there's so much that goes into it. There's so much preparation and so much expectation, and this is a team that had lost two games trying to avoid a three-game losing streak, which you never want in the NFL. And, you know, to battle back the way they did on the road, which is hard to do. I had written a story about how hard it is to come back from one score, let alone two in the NFL, especially in the second half, take the lead with three minutes and then have just something gut-wrenching happen, and that is, you know, we essentially lost the game in less than a minute. I mean – Three plays, they're in the end zone, they tie it up, then you have the fumble by Humphreys, shorthanded guy, and then you know they, they run the clock down and kick the field goal. So there was a lot of emotion after that game in that locker room. I mean, those guys felt that loss more than they did the week before, which was embarrassing. I mean, I think the week before they were embarrassed. I think this year, this week you would say that they were just stunned. They were shocked how it right. all kind of fell apart. And because of that, you're gonna get you're gonna get some splintering. You know what I mean? I mean, there's gonna come a point where, um, you know, players are are gonna get you know, sort of down about it, and may may tell us about it. And so after Dirk Cutter talked, um, one of the questions I had just about the defense in general, which gave up that throw over the top, was why all the rotation at the safety position? You know, I mean. Um, T.J. Ward is a guy they brought in here, paid $4 million to. He can barely get on the field. He did give up a touchdown uh, earlier in the game on a rub route that he did not play very well. But we haven't seen him much. He was hurt a couple weeks. He came back, uh, barely played last week, didn't play 
but like a third of the snaps on Sunday. So I went up to him and I said, hey, man, what, what, what's going on with all the rotation? Hey, let me interrupt you just real quick, Rick, because when it was when you're talking about going up to T.J. Ward now, right, after the game, this yeah. was well after the game, well after yes, the game. Yes. So this wasn't like he was waiting by his locker, waiting for somebody to come no. talk to him. This is something that was probably, I'm going to say, 35, 40 minutes after the game. So he had plenty oh, yeah. of time to cool down. He'd already showered. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. The, the locker room had mostly cleared out at this point. There are very it, few players left, maybe a couple linebackers, and that was it. Right, So just, and a couple guys were coming out of the training room after getting some treatment or whatever. But this wasn't a case where – Okay, TJ Ward's waiting by his locker. He's looking for he's looking for microphones because he, he has seek, something to seek say. Seek us out. No, no, you went and talked to him. I talked to him. I asked him the question about rotating, and he just sort of, you know, went off. And in, in in terms of my witness in, I'm tired. Of- oh yeah, what's in here? <laughs> I mean, that's not what they're doing. So that's not what you're here. I mean, that's not why I came here. Yeah. I did not come here to rotate. I did not come here to be a part-time player. Right. I came here to make this defense better, be on the field 100% of the time. That's what I do. That's the only way you I can construct offenses. I'm, that's what I do. I need to be out there. Yeah. You got me in one minute, one minute. Last week, I didn't even play the first half. He said he was at, quote, at wit's end. Like, I, like I'm at wit's end. I haven't heard that phrase in a while. I know. Um, but whatever that means, um, sort of he's, he's reached his fill. Now – Again, this is unusual for a player, you know, to sort of call out the coaching staff about not not playing them. Everybody wants to play if you're if you're in the NFL, but he does have Tommy has street cred. I mean, this is a guy with a with a Super Bowl championship ring, a three time Pro Bowl player, and a guy that at the time they signed him, they felt like this is unbelievable that he fell out of the weeds in Denver, and we're we're so blessed to have him. And you didn't necessarily expect him to play you know, every snap from the first game just because he hadn't been around. He missed all of training camp, you know, when he was with Denver because of an and injury. And he had other options too, right? He did. He was a free agent. This was his decision. He he decided to choose Tampa Bay, as many free agents did, which we'll talk about, because they felt that this they bought the hype. This was the team that was on the come that was going to probably win the NFC South had a, a, an unbelievable quarterback, played really well on defense down the stretch, and they, you know, a lot of guys signed up for it. Now, money matters, right? Um, sure. But, you know, all of a sudden, T.J. Ward finds himself, you know, not contributing and, in fact, not playing very well, maybe in part because he's not on the field, and says what he says. And then, and then, last night, we're hanging around, you know, at the, at the, the Buffalo whatever Marriott, and you look on Twitter, and you know here is uh, another free agent, Chris know, Baker, and yeah. Chris Baker that wants to uh, retweet a story um, about the rant that T.J. Ward had, and says, you know, fact, all in capital letters, you know, mm-hmm. um, sort of like I'm, uh, I, I'm right there with you, bro, that kind of thing. Right, and, and he's not. It's not like he's talking about. Hey, I agree that T.J. Ward's not getting enough time. No, he's talking, he's talking about, about his own his own time. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so now you have two guys. Now, as a little background, before all this conversation took place, Dirk Cutter had unsolicited mentioned that his biggest concern was the fact that they were two and four, and that things could begin to shatter. We got to be careful not to things to shatter from the inside. Mm-hmm. Well, this is pretty good evidence of the fact that there's, you know, some glass on the floor. Right. And I think that, um, you know, today, Dirk Cutter had a chance to address it. 
And I got to be honest with you, he's not all too pleased about uh, these players, you know, going with the media, going into the media, social media or otherwise. Well, and as you mentioned, on Monday, Dirk Cutter did speak about it. He was asked specifically about, hey, what do you think about T.J. Ward's comments? Ironically enough, uh, I did have a sit down with T.J. in my office last Thursday, and I laid out exactly what he could do better. Although a week ago, let's not forget, Rick, it was T.J. Ward who mentioned to you again that hey, maybe some of the young guys weren't ready to play in yeah. uh, in uh, Arizona. I don't know if Dirk Cutter would have brought that up with him. I can't imagine Dirk would have had a big issue with that particular statement, although Dirk seems like a, hey, keep it in-house type of guy. Um, here, here's what I'm going to say about this, Rick. I think it's a bad look, players griping like that. I th- and, and I think it happens when, when you have a bad football team. Guys, and look, I'm hey, I'm all for for airing dirty laundry to the media. Makes our jobs yeah. more fun. Bring it on. You want to talk? I got a tape recorder. And yeah. if any one of these knuckleheads want to come on this podcast, I'm down with that. <laughs> but really, Rick, when you're here, I'm just going to say when you're two and four, I don't know if anybody wants to hear your whining. And in a way, it's almost like you're telling everybody, "Hey, not my fault. I'm not getting a chance to play." I wonder how that goes over with guys like Gerald McGoy or Brent Grimes, or in the case of T.J. Ward, if you're one of the safeties, if you're Chris Conte or, or, or whoever, and and you're not, and you are playing instead of Ward, are you saying, well, wait a minute, are you saying this is my fault now? How how do you think the players, teammates feel about this sort of thing? Well, remember now, there's there's a couple dynamics here. One, uh, you know, he's the he's the outsider. I mean, he's the guy that wasn't here, um, you know, last year. Chris Conte was, Keith Tandy was, they drafted uh, Justin Evans. So, mm-hmm. um, but having said all that, uh, you know what? The dude's, the dude's got hardware, you know, and that matters in this league. It just does. You know, uh, I would imagine that most people have heard of TJ Ward. He, you know, he's a Super Bowl champion. He's a three-time Pro Bowl player. I don't know what happened in Denver. Maybe that the Bucks are finding out why the Broncos were willing to part ways with him. Maybe some of his coverage skills, limited as they were, have diminished. Um, he did get beat on this rub route, you know, where he went underneath the, essentially the other receiver in the pick play and gave up a touchdown. He gave up one last week. So the film is not good. Um, he did miss all of, you know, the preseason because of injuries. He certainly didn't practice, you know, in the, in the Bucks preseason. And then, he, and then he's been hurt again. You know, the, two weeks ago he had a couple – he missed two games with a hip injury, but – I, you know, I do believe that, you know, guys like him, Chris Baker, to some extent, while they're outsiders, and there might be some players in that locker room that resent them being the ones to pop off, they also have street cred in the NFL. I mean, it's very hard, you know, it's very hard to to not at least give some respect to a guy that's accomplished what he has. And so from that standpoint, I don't know what influence he has on the other players. I saw him talking to a lot of young guys in the secondary but if I'm a young player and I'm looking at a, a you know, a TJ Ward and I'm saying, man, this guy, you know, he's really done some stuff in this league. I'd love to be mm-hmm. able to, to have the career he's had. And, and like you said, you know, this, this is not the first time he's mentioned stuff. I mean, after the Arizona game, he said he was very critical of the players at his position and in the secondary saying, I don't feel like some of the young guys took this very seriously. So it, I think Dirk Cutter addressed it. And I think what he, you know, he told us what he told the team was. You know, I talked to the team about 
all of our issues are self-inflicted right now. The majority of our issues are self-inflicted, and we're the only ones that can fix them. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's how I handle that. Hey, if you got a complaint, maybe go to somebody who can actually do something about it, and then I, I inform them who those people were. I, th- so, I think Rick Stroud is one of those guys. Well, that's the thing. I, I just want to say that I think Dirk is under, undercutting me a little bit because, you know, if you want if you want to get your word out, you know, this is the podcast, the you know, the newspaper. You know what? We're joking slightly about this. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea if you are a player. Now, I don't necessarily agree with it. And if I'm a coach, I'd rather him come to me. Oh, you hate go it. to to a you member hate of the media. It if you're a coach, but yeah. at the same time, the word it's out there now. It's out there, yeah. and it's and Dirk. It's definitely got Dirk's attention. And I'm guessing they either already have or will have another conversation about this uh, very soon. Yeah. I will I will defend TJ Ward in this case. Again, Rick, I would prefer if I'm if I'm working if I'm looking at this from the Bucks point of view, I'd prefer that he keep oh, it. Oh, you want him to shut up. Yeah. But I, I will I will give him this in that um sometimes it does take an outsider to figure out what's going wrong within an organization. I think if you're a part of a dysfunctional organization, I'm not suggesting the Bucks are totally dysfunctional, but if things aren't going well, if you have season after season of losing, maybe you do need somebody from the outside to come in and say, Hey, maybe you're not seeing this, but this is what's going on here. Sometimes you get so accustomed to the losing or so accustomed to the way things are done. And let's face it. It's hard to argue that, that, uh, that he doesn't have maybe a point about, Hey, we're not we're not doing things the right way because if we were, they wouldn't be ten years without a playoff spot or whatever it is. Uh, I'll give him that, I'll give him that point that maybe he has a fresh perspective that people who've been here too long are just too blind to see at this point. Yeah, and I I also think that you know again these guys um, whether you're talking about Chris Baker or you're talking about uh, you know Ward or you're talking about Deshaun Jackson, they all had it was their choice, right? They were free agents. They chose. Tampa Bay. So from a frustration standpoint, you know, is, is Gerald McCoy less frustrated than, than TJ Ward? I mean, he's been here, you know, from the outset, never been to the playoffs mm-hmm. or Levante David, are they, is, are they more upset? Could they possibly be more upset? I, I don't think so. However, these guys know what it looks like. You know what I mean? Like, especially in a guy in Ward, he's like, you're right. It is a fresh pair of eyes. And, um, it is sort of like, you know, the why behind why, why are we doing certain things perhaps? Um, but you know, it's born of frustration and, and I don't think Dirk Cutter is very far off the mark when he says, when you lose games and you lose a, a game that you probably should have won like that, everybody's frustrated and that's just human nature to be frustrated. And that's why before we even talked to TJ Ward, or before Chris Baker, you know, Swaggy came out and said what he did on Twitter, you know, Dirk Cutter told his team that he was concerned that they may shatter. Um, not that he, not that they had, but that he was concerned about it, and he and he sort of cautioned them about it. Right. So you know, Dirk understands what happens when you lose football games, but I I still think that guys like guys like T.J. Ward, and to some extent, you know, Baker will have influence, especially over some of the young players at their position. You can't look at a guy that's achieved what he has and say, ah, the old man's wrong. You know what he's talking about. He's a, He's been here 15 minutes, you know? But don't you have to play, Rick, to to 
have a voice that that reaches other people sometimes like i looked at last year for example i'll use this as an example steven Stamkos missed the entire season with the tampa bay lightning there were moments i his voice could have been used and, and he felt like he couldn't say anything because he wasn't actually out there playing does it get to a point if tj ward's not playing if chris baker's not being effective can their voice sort of get ignored just because people are saying well, what are you doing man yeah, I mean, there's a potential of that unless, you know, the other the other part of that is that he, when he's been out there, he hasn't really given him much reason to, to be encouraged, especially in the coverage end of it. He's he's had a couple of touchdowns that he's given up in the last couple of weeks. Um, so, so I think that's a factor. But I, you know, it, this is, Tom, this is not where they want to be, okay? No, they, they did not anticipate being two and four. I'm watching all the shows like everybody else, mm-hmm. and you know it's a great topic. Who's the biggest disappointment in the NFL? You know, what do you think about the New York Giants? I mean, they've won one game. What about? And universally, it is no, no. We have a winner. No more phone calls. It's the Bucks. Mm-hmm. The Bucks are the most disappointing franchise. They were the hype. They won. I heard somebody say today, "Well, they won the off season, which you never want to do because if you win the off season, you're definitely going to suck." But look, this is a more talented team than they had a year ago. Way more talented than two years ago. Jameis, you know, I thought played terrific in the second half for a guy that didn't practice. You still have that monster at quarterback. They're just—I mean—they're—they're they're letting a lot of people down. And right now, if if I'm a free agent like Deshaun Jackson, or if I'm a T.J. Ward, or I'm, you know, a, a, a Baker, I'm thinking, hey, wait a minute, I bought the hype, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe maybe I'm not perfect just yet. In a case of Ward, I, I I know I know what they see on film, and I don't know what Dirk Cutter told him last Thursday that he needed to do. Clearly, he hasn't done it yet, and he gave it up another touchdown. But Tom, I can't remember uh, covering uh, this team um, where you saw a, essentially a rotation at the safety position. But I will say the last time, two things: the last time a coach lost four in a row. And the last time that he played roulette with his secondary at all positions, he got fired. So now, don't go leading the charge now, Rick. I'm just. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm just lovely, saying, right? like, it was Lovey Smith. And, yeah. and the thing is, is that, you know, you, I, think, I think that, you know, we can talk about the play that broke their backs, but... At the end of the day, you know, if you're if you're not just settling on two guys, I just don't know if that works from a rotational standpoint. I've seen it happen before, and I've seen it burn those coaches before. There was a post game reaction that I really liked, Rick, after Sunday's game. Do you know who it was? You know who I? You know who I? Whose attitude I liked after Sunday's game? Jameis no. Winston. Jameis Winston. You know, it just it shows that it happens to everybody, but man, it's tough. It's, it, I, I, I dislike losing. Period. Jameis was pissed. You could see in his face, and he he, he spews cliches. I get all that. 
there was he was there was something under his skin for sure after Sunday's game. He's not used to this stuff. He's not used to to, to losing. He had a very successful career at Florida State, won a national championship, won a Heisman Trophy. And I know he had the rookie year and he got through that. But then last year, nine and seven, I think he's expecting that this year they were going to be ten and six or eleven and five. He fully expects this team to be in a place. I think they got the right guy quarterback, Rick, in terms of leadership, in terms of attitude, in terms of uh, I'm not going to, you know, mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. I do like the way he reacted after Sunday's game. Yeah, because he emphasized the fact that his disappointment was was singular about, you know, we didn't win. I need, I want to win. I want to win. Because he, um, he was the last guy to blame for Sunday's yeah, loss. Yeah, and, but, he, but he made it clear that, you know, he didn't care who we were talking about. This is this is this hurts, you know, and mm-hmm. he's passionate about it. And look, consider the game he had. Here's a guy that, as far as I know, I don't know, going back to high school before that, you know, he essentially missed two of the big heavy lifting days of practice. He went out there and threw a little bit on Friday, and then he goes out there and Thomas is the third most yards he's thrown for. You know, three touchdowns, one interception. He's got ten TDs on the year, just four interceptions. Three of them came in one game. Uh, this guy is on pace to have a monstrous year mm-hmm. and, and and break every passing record that the Bucks have ever had. So, you know, and having said that, he's not a finished product. What you have to think is, um, you know, if Jameis, Jameis is still part of the problem because they start so slow. Mm-hmm, that's uh, true. But, you know... It, <laughs> How much further can they come with 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 Jameis at quarterback? In other words, you know, has Dirk taken him as far as he can go? Um, I think he gets better and better every time I see him. I think Dirk's done a great job with him. I think he continues to grow, and I think he's going to wind up winning a lot of games they probably shouldn't win. But this season, this early, with this much yakking going on, and we love it from the media standpoint. <laughs> It's not good. I mean, no. it's it's not a good place to be in as a franchise. Could you see Rick Dirk Cutter looking at this and saying, you know what, T.J. Ward, if you're going to come in here, you're going to be this type of guy. He's, it's not like he's so good that we can't afford to win without him or we can't afford to play without him. Th- does Dirk Cutter set a message here and say, okay, enough. We're not going to have this. See ya. Thanks for coming. Here's the home. Well, game. I don't think Dirk Cutter gives a rat's rump uh, whether T.J. Ward thinks he should be playing. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, his attitude is that's football. That was his quote. Hey, you know what? Everybody wants to play. That's football. And followed it up quickly with, ironically, I met him last Thursday and I told him what he needed to do, which mm-hmm. would indicate that he told him not to give up a touchdown pass on a rub route to a tight end who was a quarterback in college. And then so, talk to Stroud after the game. Yeah, it. and talk to me, who can't do anything for you, which I vehemently disagree, by the way, Dirk. I agree. I think I, I can. Yeah. I think I do have an impact. You're underselling me. But that aside, I, I, I see where he's coming from. So, yeah, it's just, you know, the whole thing is bad. And, you know, this is what losing, this is what losing feels like. The weird thing is just that, as bad as they have been, and they've been awful, they've beaten two teams that are barely on the radar themselves, and I think if the draft happened today, the Bucks would, would pick sixth. But they're very much still alive. And what I mean by that is starting Sunday against Carolina, despite losing three in a row, they follow that up with a game against New Orleans. So many of those teams are on or about 500 right now. 
things broke right for them, you know, over the last couple of weeks. And, and they could jump back in this at 4-4 four four with wins in the division over Carolina and New Orleans. It's just hard to imagine this team going either 8-2, and two, which is what they'd have to do to go 10-6 yeah, yeah. and six for the year, or going 7-3 and three to get to 9-7. and seven. Although, right. as we, we've talked about, 9-7 and seven might get you into the playoffs in this division. Might. It's a And here's the wild thing. I don't know who I like in the NFC. Maybe – Nobody impresses me with the possible exception of the Eagles. The Eagles look yeah. like they might be a, a real deal team, but every Dallas has not impressed me. So, clearly, Seattle, Green Bay is not the same team without Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't right. know who I like out of the Vikings. The Vikings? Come on, I, I I'm not sold on them as being a a world beater. So nine and seven, you get into the playoffs, who knows what can happen? You might have a chance. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's odd is that the Los Angeles, Los Angeles Rams what? right now probably have, you know, as impressive of wins and margin of victory as anybody. Sure. Um, you know, and I mean, I don't, you know, in the past they've jumped up to good records and, and didn't do anything, but this feels different to me. So yeah, it, it's, you know, it's a critical juncture of the season we'll talk down the road i'm sure about all the incredible you know implications if this team continues to go south but that's a high bar you're right i mean you want to win eight out of ten you know five of your next seven games are on the road i mean these are all you know brutal things for them right now and they've got to straighten it out quick and it starts with carolina you can't you can't get to 500 on Sunday by beating Carolina. That's, yeah, and that's what Dirk said after the game Sunday. It was a cliche, but he's absolutely right. We can't. Yeah. He's saying we can't go. We can't be four and four after next week's game. We can only be three and four after yeah. next week's game. So that's where it starts. Yeah. Day off. They could use a day off Tuesday. Uh, that's that's probably the best <laughs> thing that they got yeah. for them. Nobody talking to the media. Uh, hey, Rick. Troubling story out of Gainesville. Uh, Gators are struggling. They're three and three. They're on their way to being three four when they three and four when they get wiped up on Saturday by Georgia, which I fully oh, expect geez. will happen. Uh, fans are upset. Apparently it's boiled over to some threats against Jim McWayne. You know, a pretty good uh, kind of lesson for the way things are. You know, there's, there's a lot of hate in this world and uh, a lot of anger. And, uh, and yet it's freedom to show it. And, uh, you know, the hard part is obviously when the threats against your own players um, – the death threats to your families, um, you know, the, the ill will that's uh, brought upon out there. And yet, you know, I think it's really one of those deals that really is a pretty good testament to what's going on out there nationally. There's a lot of angry people in, uh, in this business. We're, we're the ones that you take the shots at, and that's the way it is. He didn't elaborate on the details of the death threats. He didn't say who was targeted. He didn't say if they were directed towards him. Apparently, Florida didn't even contact law enforcement over this. Some people, Rick, are wondering if he, if they're, if he really has been a target of death threats. I'm not going to doubt his story. I, I've seen the emotion of sports fans. You've seen the emotion of sports fans, particularly on the college level. I don't have to use my imagination to believe that, that there probably are death threats out there. I don't think they're serious. I just think it's frustrated fans. But this is something no coach should put up with. You you want to call for his job, fine. You want to, you want him fired immediately, fine. I just don't like when, you, when you're starting talking about family. That, clearly, that that's, that's crossing the line. But does a coach also have to be – I mean – does he have to almost have a thick skin? Like this probably does go on everywhere, don't you think? Yeah, I think it does because I, I, I think that, you know, fans, for the most part, there's a lot of, you know, crazy people out there that, that live and die with this these kind of things. And, 
Um, I, I think you have to have a mechanism to take care of your family in case some crack job, nut job thinks he's going to follow up on this threat. But you know what? Um, a lot was expected. A lot is given to him. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me, I don't want to minimize the threats because I think you turn those over to authorities and you say, hey, if you can find some kind of evidence, let's, let's keep this guy off our streets and be safe. And I, I totally get that. There's also a little bit of a snowflake involved here. You know, like, really? So somebody on social media threatened you um, even even that way? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, it's not forgiving the behavior, but I don't know that it's a surprise. I would. I don't know this either, but, I mean, I covered the Gators a very, very long time ago. I'll bet you Galen Hall, if you know that name, Sure. You know, got got death threats. You know, I'll bet you Gary Darnell or whoever was the interim coach. I was just Spurrier. I mean, I just think that the university is, you know, so influential and, and so large and these people are so rabid that what does it take? I mean, it's not necessarily a, a Florida person. It could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that calling attention to it. I'll say this, too. I don't know that it helps you, you know. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know if McElwain I, – I can't imagine he's the first head coach that got a death threat. Right. But and I, you, I, I mean, think he is right. I think this goes on nationally. I think it goes on everywhere. Yeah. And I, I I hate to say it. He, he sort of brought this up later on. It's kind of part of the job. It's kind it of what is. you have to deal with. It's kind of yeah. what you sign up for. It's and not I'm not fair, saying but... you shouldn't put up with it. I, I, look, I don't know what you get, Rick. I've gotten, I've gotten threats. No, oh, I don't, vile stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And – it's you put your opinion out there. And those <laughs> are just my it. relatives. Those are just the people that love me. <laughs> That's going to say it's your relatives getting on me is what it is. <laughs> uh, now, as, now, as far as Florida State, Jimbo got into it with a fan after a game. Now, in that yeah. case, Rick, I'm going to say this. You can't do that. You can't get into it with a fan. No. I know fans can be obnoxious. I know it's hard to ignore them. I know they say some some vile things. You just can't do what Jimbo did. You can't win. You look like an idiot when you try when you when you challenge Bubba to come out of the stands to fight you because you that in a million years you're never going to win that argument or win that fight. Jimbo no. got to know better. Yeah, he does. And and uh, you know, I just told that guy I wouldn't even get behind him. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, is that he he basically called him out and said, you know, if you're such a tough guy, basically come down here and say it to my face. Um, it's you can't win if you're a college your head football coach and the thing is people have such short memories i mean you know what did they win a national title 15 minutes ago when Jameis was the quarterback as a freshman right, right. it's just an, it's un, it's un, it's unbelievable to me and this is a horrible season that may not even end in a bowl bid which will cost them you know in the off season but jimbo knows better i mean look those people are still there's a lot of empty seats okay you might not want to talk to the guys that actually paid for the ticket and showed up, you know, because there's there's a lot of people deciding you're not even worth the trouble. And I I think they'll get it turned around. I think there's going to be some changes there on the coaching staff, et cetera. I just don't know if you're in any sport or you're a newspaper columnist or anything else, what is there to gain with responding to a crackpot? Do you think fa- I, I think college coaches are a little too sensitive sometimes too. They they sit oh, there and sure say, "Well, I, I, I just feel bad for my kids," and they use the whole kids excuse. Or these are yeah. just kids, but yet these are student athletes, Tommy. They they work so hard in school; they're not professionals. 
student athletes that help you earn whatever six point five million dollars a year yes, or whatever it is. Yes, thank I, you. I think college college football coaches in particular and college basketball coaches they they uh they don't like criticism they they love the attention when they're going 11 and one or going to bowl games or winning national championships but you go six and six one you're you're gonna hear it and and you have to realize that fans are going to be upset with you and you can't get all upset every time somebody yeah. does but uh hey so world series starts tuesday night astros dodgers who you got well my heart says the astros my head says the Dodgers. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You know, it, it just seems to me that, um, look, L.A.'s loaded, and they've set up their pitching. They're rested. They pretty much have everything going. Hard to believe. What was it? 1988 is the last time that I the, know. Last the time Dodgers were in the World Series. It's a shame, it's Kirk by Gibson. the way. Kirk Gibson, home yeah. run. Yeah. 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 It's the last time they were there, yeah. Right. And and so um, – I think it's cool that there's, you know, going to be a, I mean, it's not, look, it's not the Yankees. So I'm sure there's many people, executives at Major League Baseball are saying we came so close to it being a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. I love this Houston team, man. Oh, me too. I love watching them play. I love Altuve. Um, I, I like their pitching staff. I love, you know, to see the joy in 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 a guy like, you know, Justin Verlander who, you know, went old school on everybody and, you know, threw nine innings and, and, you know, he came back and threw another six. He's been lights out. Um, we get to see Kate Upton. This is this is a dream come true for a lot of people. And how about how about the local guy? Are we you know, if you don't have a rooting interest, you might want to you might want to say, well, there's a guy from right here in in uh, Lance McCullers Jr. Right, Lance McCullers Jr. And if you're a Rays fan, you're probably rooting against. Don't you? Don't you root against Andrew Friedman? Like, I think yeah, you root part against of me. Him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the guy that he left. He got went to the big, got the big money the in L.A. Big bucks. Spent. I, I don't blame him for doing it. I would have done it in a minute, but yeah. yeah, he's he's sort of gone off Hollywood too. Yeah, you're gonna go off to California and leave us big back time, here. man. Yeah. I think the Dodgers are the better team. I'm picking the Astros just because I like them. I'm like you. I like that lineup a lot. They can flat out rake. I like Dallas Keuchel. I like Justin Verlander right now a lot. Uh, I really like how they came back against the Yankees. They were down three two in that series. They win the last two games. They got that feel to me. They got that. They like they're they're the team of destiny. Although watch the Dodgers will come out on you know game <laughs> one and em. just score twelve in the first or whatever. But um, but I'd like to see the Astros win. And it, it would be interesting to see the comparison. People and people will start talking about it. Can the Rays do with the Astros? This was an Astros team, what, like within the last five years, I want to say, lost 100 games. Now, some claim they kind of tanked it there for a while, but and really it really just, you know, unloaded everybody and had a payroll next to nothing. But uh, but it, if you, if, they, if they can do it, uh, maybe a team like the Rays. Not, it's not a, oh, stop I know it's it. a big market. Why not? Come on, stop it. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see. I. Mm-hmm. That's the I mean, blueprint. Houston, That's Houston, the blueprint is yeah, what I'm but, saying. But Houston, here's the thing about Houston is that they have a new ball. They have not a new ballpark, but they have a very successful ballpark. Yes. Um, it's in what maybe the fourth biggest market in the United States. I think States. that's right. I think it is the fourth biggest market. And, right. and and so from that standpoint, they got a lot more going for them than Tampa Bay does. Um, I'll grant you, you know, if, if the Rays can can have these prospects, I mean, that was a weird thing, like. Um, Sports Illustrated several years ago did a cover, yeah, uh, and said your 2017 World Champions and it was the Houston Astros. So 
you know, I, I think people looked at their young talent and figured, you know, they're going to be there. I don't see that with the Rays, but, you know, they they are sort of the champions. They're, they're not they're not the champions of a small market because it's kind of a big market. I just love their ball club. I, I, I think it's a great it's a great team to watch. I just see one game in the in the World Series. I want to see him go old school uniforms, the old rainbow orange one time. Yes, just, the J.R. Richard off the mound. The Enos, the Enos Cabell, you know. Enos yeah. Cabell. That's what I want. That's right. What are those? You still had Biggio, and you had those guys too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lightning back out of Tuesday night in Carolina. Carolina up and coming team. I, I like them. I think they're probably a year or two away from from being a real good. Team in the NHL are still feeling their way, but they don't score a ton, Carolina, but they don't give up much either. So this will be another real good test for Tampa Bay, and uh, we'll talk more about the Bolts on our next podcast. So we just want to thank everybody for listening. Don't forget, we're here, we're here each and every weekday. You can find us on Twitter at Rick Tom Podcast is the best place, but you can also write us on our personal Twitters at NFL Strad and at Tom W. Jones. So thanks to our producer, Steve Verstick. Take care. We'll talk to you the next time. 